So if you turn into your Bibles into the book of Malachi chapter 3, just going to recap here this morning uh, what we're talking about. Uh, this series was based off of something that, that uh, John the Baptist said in John chapter 3 verse 30, speaking of Christ, he must become greater, I must become less. If that could be the mantra of our lives, if that could be the thing that all of us lived by, a lot of our problems would be solved. A lot of the arguments would be finalized. A lot of the worries and concerns would be taken care of. Amen? If he was greater than me, which he already is greater than me, but sometimes me has to realize how small me is. And me has to be in the presence of God to recognize how great God is in the Word of God to understand how great God is. And we've got to have the right perspective. This perspective about who God is, this perspective that our world currently is lacking because they refuse to bring themselves unto the living God and and to stand uh, according to His Word and to allow themselves to be evaluated by it. They do exactly what Romans chapter 1 says, that people will not exalt God as He should be or glorify Him as God. And so they turn, they begin to worship created things, they exalt themselves, they minimize their sin, they make excuses for it, they rationalize it, and then ultimately they try to blend their sin with a holy God and a lifestyle that is full of rebellion. I don't know about you all, but the Lord's taken me to new places in Him. New understanding, new revelation, uh, constantly uh, finding areas of my life that maybe were not as focused on being uh, uh, under His hand like I thought it should have been, under His leadership. How many of us know that we're not going to fully arrive until we fully arrive? You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) We're not going to be fully there until we get there, but in between now and then, bless God by His grace, He's growing me. And uh, this series is birthed out of some of that. There's just the recognition of who Christ is, His internal, His eternal unseen uh, qualities. Uh, all of it can be seen in Christ. All of it is fulfilled uh, in Christ. The law was fulfilled in Him. His sacrifice on the cross is sufficient. And, and this eternal nature of who God is, we see and understand today. So today, I want to talk to us further about our eternal, unseen, yet omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God. And it is that He is unchanging. He doesn't change. Now, that's an easy thing for us to say. It's an easy thing for us to talk about. It's easy for us to overlook. And it's easy for us to forget the benefit to. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. I'm just reading one verse. God made this reference about Himself through the prophet. Malachi says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. God, who does not lie, says this of Himself. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Now, it's easy for us to take lightly, okay, God doesn't change. All right, God doesn't change. And and it's it's so burned into our thoughts and understanding that whether we believe it or not, we've kind of accepted it as, okay, God doesn't change. That's what everybody believes, God doesn't change. But we we tend to almost accept it so quickly that we throw away the greatness of what it is that God does not change. And we forget about it. So, So let's just kind of take God out of the picture for just a second, set Him over here on a shelf, And let me ask you a question. 
Have you ever had expectations in people and they changed? You see, you don't really realize what a great quality it is to be unchanging until you've put your hope and trust in somebody and they've let you down. Has anybody ever been there before? Isn't it wonderful to know that this person is just going to be the same person whether they're talking to your face or whether they're talking behind their back? This person here is going to be the same person today as they will be 20 years down the road. They're not going to change what I know about them today. It's not going to be different. There's not going to, I'm not going to get blindsided with something. That's a good feeling, isn't it? How many of you like people that they're faithful and they're just going to always be faithful and that's just how they are? You can fully trust them. It don't matter. I know them. That's okay. That's a wonderful thing. An unchanging quality in the natural is tremendous. But the unchanging quality of our God from all eternity past to all eternity future is miraculous, it is powerful, and it carries a blessing for us. You see, it's more than just saying, well, our God's unchanging. You know, He's eternal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, He's eternal. Yeah, He's unchanging. You see, David understood what it was like to have somebody turn their back on him. Somebody to attack him. In Psalm 55, David says this, If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. Why? Because that's the expectation of an enemy. Amen. If a foe were raising himself against me, I could hide from him. But it's you. A man like myself, my companion... My close friend with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship as we walked with the throng at the house of God. David understood the pain of having a fellow believer get an opinion about him and become malicious and accusational and attack him as though he were an enemy. Now I've experienced this too many times in my life and I'm sure that all of us have experienced this on some level and unfortunately, I'm not going to ask for a a, a show of hands, some of us have done this to other people. Oh, the blessing of unchanging characteristics. Oh, the blessing of someone who's going to be the same all the time. What a wonderful thing to know that the one who saves us and the one who we will spend eternity with does not change. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. The goodness of God will never change. All the other qualities of God will never change. This, this Father, this one that gives us all the blessings, they come down from the heavenly lights. This, this God who is consistent and doesn't change in His goodness is the same God yesterday when everything went right and was perfect and you were underneath the spout of God where the glory's coming out and everything's wonderful and I have divine revelation. I've got calls. I've got all these things. Is the same God that today when circumstances hit and it's difficult and you don't understand and you're confused, He is still good. He hasn't left. He hasn't changed. All of His qualities are in place. He hasn't turned His back on you. He's not looking down His nose at you. He hasn't prematurely judged you. Can I get an amen for that one? Because God is a God that is unchanging. He's the same yesterday, He's the same today, and He's the same forever. He is not going to change. If God were able to change, He could only change in three directions. Okay? He could get worse, 
He could get better. Or he could cease being himself and be something different. Those are the three ways that God could change if God could change. A.W. Tozer makes this example. He says, if God was to change like that, uh, he, he said, think of it like an apple. When it comes out, it comes out green. Anybody ever ate green apples before or is that just me? Man, my grandpa had, a, had an orchard when I was little. And my mom had this great big giant white uh, plastic salt shaker. And we'd take that bad boy and run to the trees. And, and as soon as there were little bitty tiny apples on it, you're thinking, it's green apple time. It's green apple time until you bit into the green apple. There's got to be a right season for green apple time. You get there too early for green apple time, it doesn't matter how much salt you put on it, there's going to be some dire consequences. Can I get an amen? Yes. Anybody that was what I'm talking about, just raise your hand and say, preach it, pastor. So it starts out bad, right? But if you just leave it hang there a little bit, over time, it will get better until it's ripe. Mm. Ripe apples in the fall off the tree. You can't beat a golden delicious apple right off the tree. I didn't even care. I'd eat them off the ground. If, I, if there was not one that I could reach, I was too lazy. I wouldn't climb in the tree. I'll find one that had a worm in it and eat around the hole. I didn't care. It's good. But if you leave it over time, right, it will rot and it will turn bad. But see, God can't get worse in any fashion, he didn't start out at a lower level and over time increase to a better level. He just always has been perfect. Amen. He's always been ripe, ready for the picking. Amen? God's always been good. And over time, by the influence of us, he's not going to get worse. And, and we see the example of, of the change that we have seen when you see the, the little caterpillar go into the chrysalis and come out a beautiful butterfly. We use that example a lot of times talking about just the miraculous work of, of God making a new creation. Listen, God is not going to become something other than what He is. But people change. People change, don't we? And aren't you glad... Aren't you glad we can go from bad to better? Aren't you glad that the same God that doesn't change is the same God that looks into our lives with hope and says, I would like to make you like me? The God of 6,000 years ago is the same today. And the God of, of, of pre-creation is the same today. In a million years from now, we'll just be beginning to scratch the surface of eternity and He'll be the exact same. And He'll be the exact same throughout all eternity. And us folks, we're going to consistently be changing. God, by His grace, 
has made us capable to change because we fell and we, we were created good. We became worse and we became bad. And now by the work of Jesus Christ in our lives, He can make us whole and pure and clean again. While God is making us in His image and while God is, is creating us and, be, and, and changing and transforming our lives by His Spirit, you cannot use the same words about us that you use for God that you use for us. I always say God's taken me on a journey. He's taken me somewhere. But it's not like God's going someplace. He's already there. God can't backslide. <laughs> he can't go backwards. He's there. He can't go right. He can't go left. He's there. He can't go up. can't go down. He's there. Just like the psalmist said, where can I go to flee from your presence? You can't. And He's consistently going to be... You can't use those kinds of statements about God. For us, I'm changing. Boy, I'm changing. The more I look in the mirror, I'm changing. You ever, you ever want to motivate yourself to do something with yourself? Go to Kohl's. They've got the worst mirrors in them changing rooms that I have ever seen in my life. It's like, man, make me look at least decent in these clothes. I swear it's like some little clown come in and said, yeah. It's like, wow, I don't remember being a huge change physically, spiritually. We are changing. God cannot even be, He cannot even be bound by time. Time doesn't change Him. He lives outside of time. Time is, is consumed inside of Him. Space cannot, cannot measure God. Forever unchanging in His omniscience, His omnipresence, in His omnipotence. It's always been the same. It will always be the same. You see, this is one reason, as a side note, that God hates hypocrisy. He can't handle people who take on the name of Christ and then, and then live however they want because it's a complete misrepresentation of who the Father is. It's inconsistent. And I don't care how much you have rationalized your sin, it's inconsistent. James talks about how a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. And when a person is hypocritical, they're double-minded, and, and they, they wear a mask today at church, and then tomorrow they put on a different one. They become players, and they play things at different times for their own satisfaction, their own pleasure. And what that's doing is, is it's showing God to be as though He is unstable. You're my ambassador, child of God. Quit showing me to be unstable to a world that needs to know I am an unchanging God. I was the same at creation as I'm going to be at the, at the consummation of all things. That's who I am. So he wants his children to stop presenting him as unstable. So what's the benefit? God's unchanging nature is for our own good. Let me just tell you this. You and I are lucky. We are blessed because God does not change. 
Look back at Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change. We got it. Here's the important part. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. <laughs> Let's just kind of get some background here for a second. This is prophesied by the prophet Malachi. This is uh, really the last recorded minor prophet prior to a 400-year period before Jesus Christ came and walked on this earth, okay? But let's just figure out how they got here first. Well, we'll start in Egypt. For 400 years, they're in bondage, right? I'm in the book, right? God sends Moses in and says, Hey, let my people go. So they get out of town. They cross the Red Sea. God delivers them, gets them out into the wilderness. They said, Hey, we need food and water. And God says, okay, I'll give you food and water. Provides for them, gives them the law, explains holiness to them. They sin against God multiple times in the wilderness. They finally get to the, they get to the river Jordan and they're getting ready to cross into Canaan land, into their inheritance, the promised land. And they went in and spied out and they go, I ain't going in there, there's giants in there. God says, fine, I'll let you wander in the wilderness for another 40 years. They wander in the wilderness. There's more sin, more plagues, more issues, more deliverance by God. They come back to the River Jordan. And somebody goes, you know what? I seem to remember an account where we didn't cross the time before. Let's do it. God parts the waters. They go in. They find, they find walled cities. They find giants. They find all these things. God delivers them. Drives out the enemy before them. They have some compromises, some setbacks. But ultimately, they inherit the land. They divide it. They receive it. They become comfortable. They begin to worship other gods again. They begin to become in bondage to the people around them that they did not drive out. So God raises up more judges. Judge, deliverance, sin, repent, judge, deliverance, sin, bondage, repent, judge, deliverance, sin, bondage, repent, over and over. We need a king like everybody else around us. God gives them a king. Take your king. Be happy. They take their king. God puts his anointing on the king. The king turns and does things his own way. Isn't politics like that? But anyway, (laughs) king rises up. More kings. Another king comes along. Another king comes along. Two kings come along. Divide the kingdom. Two kingdoms develop fall back into bondage, begin to worship other gods again, forget their Lord, their God. Both kingdoms ultimately go into Babylon. Both kingdoms are in Babylon for 70 years. And God, by His grace and mercy, says, I'll deliver you again. And He delivers them again. Nehemiah is there building the wall. And then Malachi looks at him to a bunch of people who once again had missed the point. They were bringing in animals that didn't line up with what God's Word had said. They began to shift things to their own liking. It was to their benefit that they could bring in animals that were needing to die anyway and give those as a sacrifice. The Scripture in Malachi makes clear in that day, people were not honoring their marital covenant. People were uh, sinning against the wife of their youth. They were acting harshly. There were a lot of things that were taking place. And God says, it's a good thing for you that I didn't change because I would have destroyed you. I would have destroyed you in Egypt. 
Had it not been for my oath and my pledge to Abraham, I would have left you there for 400 years and longer. I never would have brought you out. If it wasn't for my oath to Abraham, I would have let you die in the wilderness. And when you didn't want to go into the promised land, if it wasn't for my oath to Abraham that you would inherit it, I would have wiped you all out at that time, but I let you live another 40 years so that that generation could pass off and you could go in clean and ready to go. If it wasn't for my oath to Abraham, I would have let you come to Jericho, be laughed at and destroyed. Would have let the Philistines wipe you out later. If it wasn't for my oath to Abraham and the fact that I don't change, all those times to those judges, all I was trying to do was wake you up in your sin. But I raised up a judge because you're going to be sustained because I don't change. And even when you sin to the point of going into bondage to Babylon, I could have left you there and forgot you. Could have wiped you out. But because I don't change, I chose to bring you back and reestablish you. And it's a good thing that I don't change now because I wipe you out before Jesus Christ has a chance to come. You say, Pastor, that one verse didn't say all that. Oh, yes, it did. (laughs) Yes, it did. Because I have not changed, you, O Jacob, have not been destroyed. You see, it's to our good that God doesn't change. Because I'm going to tell you this much. On a natural level, if you and I had all the things done to us that we have done to God, we would have went psycho crazy. Amen? We would have been like, how how many of you ever used this statement before? I just don't know why God don't just wipe them all off the face of the earth. (laughs) Raise your hand. I want to see it. Raise it. Come on. Put your hand up. Me too. About every time I watch the national news. If I was God. No, I don't do that. I do say, how much more can he take? But see, God is consistent He says, I'm unchanging, and it's for your good. You see, the Scripture makes clear that He's not willing that any should perish, but that all, all would come to repentance. That all would. God's patient. He's not late in coming. He's not late in carrying out His promises. He's patient, and He's unchanging in that patience. God isn't unstable, folks. He had a plan from the beginning, and He's going to carry it out through the end. And He's not going to change. It's not going to be other options. There's not going to be other things. It is for our good. Listen to what he said about this oath I was talking about. In Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 through 18, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Men swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of His purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that By two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. The promises God has made for our salvation and everything that comes with it were sworn by a God that cannot lie. 
they were sworn by himself. The greatest thing that could be sworn. You know, now, right now, everybody's saying, wait a minute, Pastor Bob, I thought, I thought Jesus said that we are not supposed to swear by anything. And that we're supposed to let our yes be yes and our no be no. Right? Yeah, you and I. He didn't say that about the Father. The Father can swear against Himself for our comfort all He wants to. But He said right there in that passage that men swear by somebody greater to end an argument, right? It's like, I swear on my mother's grave. Anybody ever heard that one before? I swear on a stack of Bibles, Pastor. Because a stack is more than one. (laughs) I swear to God, I will. The reason that Jesus cautions us about that is because if we're not careful, we'll use it flippantly to end an argument and not follow through and make ourselves out to be a liar and held accountable to the one that we swore by. Amen? That's why we're just supposed to let our yes be yes and our no be no. You see, because we can have great intentions, but we're fragile. We're unpredictable. We could wake up tomorrow sick and say, well, I promised I would watch all five of the babies. (laughs) You don't know what's going to happen. That's why we have to be cautious with our oaths. God just wants us to be consistent like He is and say, yeah, I'll be there. And let your life of consistency be proof of your vow. But when it comes to His oath, He swore by Himself for our comfort. He said, I'm not just making things up. I'm not just saying this flippantly. By myself, I, who am omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, I who am the creator of all things, I who am eternal, I may be unseen, but I can promise you this, Abraham, by myself, I will make this happen. And that was intended to bring comfort to those who were hearing it, those who had heard it. It settles all arguments, it settles all concerns, it settles all worries about it. You and I live by the same promises that the apostles live by. We walk in the same grace. We have the same reward. If God has said it and has sworn it, that the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient for your sins, if He has spoken forgiveness over you, then this unchanging God is able to keep you saved because the blood of Christ is no less powerful today than it was the day that you confessed your sin. He is able. And it's not going to stop. Don't take Him for granted. Don't give hope. Don't give up hope because He's unchanging in His faithfulness and will bring to pass all the promises He has made. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we are faithless, He will remain faithful, for He cannot disown Himself. So we've established that God is not going to change. And what a blessing that is. But not only that, what is it good for? Well, it's good that He's going to hold on to the promises that you and I believe in. Because He's going to see us through. It's to our benefit that He has not destroyed us. I know I have given Him him more than one reason to squish me like a bug. More than one. He could have done it. He should have done it. And I would have deserved it. And He wouldn't have lost an ounce of His goodness because I was a wretched sinner. But because He's unchanging and His promise was still there for me to believe in and grab hold of, and hope in, and believe in, and receive from, and to grow in, and to be changed by. 
I haven't been destroyed. One of the greatest lies of the enemy is to convince man to try and minimize God to man's status and exalt man to a God status by trying to erase his unchanging nature. Mankind is always changing. And so we become frustrated with a God who does not change. Philosophies are changing consistently. Opinions and attitudes in our culture will ridicule and mock God and those who believe in Him because we believe in an ancient book that does not change. In arrogance, our culture looks at His law as insignificant, outdated, old, and irrelevant to our times. They approach the Word of God like it's outdated. And, and, and we, we, wonderful, great humans, are part of an evolving society where laws and there is no established right and wrong and, and there's, everything is fluid. The law shifts and changes and, and, and so do we. And philosophies change and that which applied 40 years ago doesn't apply today. Especially not that from 2,000 years ago. Especially not that from 6,000 years ago. What are you talking about, preacher? You've lost your mind. By human progress, we demand that with our human progress, that the laws and the acceptance and the things in our society should shift and change and flow with what people want for the day and they want it to move and to shift and change even though it's full of flesh, even though it's full of sin, even though it's full of rebellion, we need to accept that and preacher, you need to accept that and we all need to accept the things that make everybody happy and give them exactly what they want. Let me just say this. Seriously, what child hasn't tried to run the household? Even before they can speak, they know how to manipulate mom and dad to try to get what they want. Even before they have an understanding about their future or anything else, they can scream and throw a fit and try to get what it is that they want. It doesn't take long for a child to understand that says, if I can set the rules for what I want, I can shift them however I want them to be every day. Our culture is no different. Since we don't believe there's a standard, since we don't believe there's a God, since we think God should shift and change, we like to try to change the standards. Mankind has thrown itself into deep confusion because it has left behind the truth and consistency of God's Word. You want to know what I hate most about daylight savings time? Monday morning. I sit in my office, I do my routine, I come in here, I pray, I seek God, I go out, I go in my office, and I start working. Peck, 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 peck. I'm a hunting peck. I use three fingers when I type. <laughs> Super fast. And I'm just working away, and I'm thinking, man, I'm getting a lot done. It's only 9.30. I feel like I've been here for an hour and a half. And then I realize that I haven't changed the office clock. And I wasn't near as productive as I thought I was. Look at my phone, look at the clock, look at my phone. I'm like, oh. I 
Change the time. Did you know that even if you change your clock, time will be the same? You could put it at 3 o'clock right now if you want to and believe it's 3 o'clock all that you want to because you wish a program would come on that you're wanting to watch at 3 o'clock. But it ain't going to come on until 6 your time. <laughs> because you can't change time. I don't care how often you change your clock and adjust it to whatever it is, whatever time you want it to say, it doesn't change. You see, because time's set by what God set in order. You can't change time. You can change your clock all you want to, but you can't change time. Because God set it in motion. God set the standard. The standard is the sun. The standard is the rotation of the earth. And you can't change those things. You can't change the time. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm talking about how when we get away from the standard of the Word of God, we throw ourselves into confusion. I had a friend that when he was in the military was stationed up in Alaska for a little while. And he said, you know what, Bob? He says, the weirdest thing, he said, when you're in Alaska, he said, there's so much time, so many weeks every year that you have nothing but darkness. And then in the summertime, you have nothing but light. It's like the sun just goes around. He said, so people get their time all messed up. He said, if they're not living by their clock, and they're just sleeping and getting up, sleeping and getting up, they won't realize whether it's 3 in the afternoon or 3 in the morning. He said, we were sleeping one morning. He said, it was really early. He said, people knocking on our door. The sun's out. It's like, hey guys, what are you doing? You want to come over for a cookout? No, I'm sleeping. You see, because when we don't live by the standard that was set, it breeds confusion. You can set your moral clock as much as you want to. You can throw it off an hour or an hour behind or an hour before, but it doesn't change God. You can say, I'm going to accept this. This is what I believe. This is what I accept. Preacher, you should take this. You should, you should accept this. We should accept this. And our moral counters, in our, our moral clocks in America are messed up because people, preachers, organizations are shifting and saying, well, I know God from 2,000 years ago. I know God from 6,000. Yeah, he said this. And I know this. And I, but I think I want to accept this and accept this. And just this last week on the news, it said that the, the, the uh, Presbyterian church as a whole has accepted to marry gay couples. Our moral clock is off. And you can shift it as much as you want to, my friend, and you can accept as much as you want, and you can rationalize as much as you want, but you can't change God. Our culture wants us to think that God should be fluid and adjust with their times and with their sin. But I'm here to tell you that whatever God ever thought about anything He still feels today... Whatever he thought about anyone, he still thinks it. Whatever he approved of, he still approves. And whatever he condemned, he still condemns. Sin is not relative like we like to say it is. It doesn't change with time in God's sight because God is the standard and the standard is unchanging. And according to this word that doesn't change, we know and understand that there, are, that there is nothing new under the sun. It's all addressed in here. It's all been established. 
What was sin yesterday is sin today. And what was sin in the Garden of Eden will still be sin when all things end. We know this and we know that God is not going to change in these things because He is unchanging. In closing this morning, the best way to know what God thinks is to look at Jesus Christ, the image of the invisible God. And when you have seen Him, you have seen the Father, and He has recorded all of this for us to see daily. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. We see the same characteristics, the same nature in the Son that we see in the Father. And we see the same characteristics in the Father that we see in the Son. And we can even say the same about the Holy Spirit. There's no differing. There is no, un, there is no changing or shifting. There's not, there's not a growing or progressing or evolving over time by God. God's mind isn't slowly becoming soft on sin like our culture is. I can promise you that. Whatever you saw Jesus do in the Word of God... It's what the Father agrees with and understands and believes and expects out of us today. When Jesus brought the little children to Him and He blessed them, that is what the Father feels about little children all the time. And that is what the Father expects out of you and I with the little children. Blessing. Encouragement. When Jesus touched the untouchable, the one society had rejected and healed them without favoritism, we know that the Father sees them the same way and we are expected to do the same. When Jesus rebuked the Pharisee, the self-righteous, for their hypocrisy, we know the Father felt the same way and we are, we are to guard ourselves from this mentality as well as rebuke it when it manifests itself. When Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the very ends of the earth, then it lines up with the Father's words, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And we are expected not to leave Him either, but to remain faithful. When Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, nothing has changed, nothing has increased, nothing has decreased. He still has all authority in heaven and on earth. And when He says for us to go into all the world and to preach the gospel, it still stands just as true today as it did then. This is the Father. His plan is unchanging. His work is unchanging. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. And, his, and what He has said stands true today. You can't adjust your, your, your moral clock away from truth. You cannot do that. And the only way, the only way that you and I are going to get rid of a life of confusion in this world is to make Christ the center of my life. And allow His standards to be my standards. Just as the sun is at the center of our solar system and we establish our times and dates and seasons off of it in the rotation of the earth, so should my life and every portion of it be seasoned and so should it also be directed and guided in all the seasons of my life, whether it be spring, summer, winter, or or fall or winter in my life, whatever season I'm in, to live with Christ at the center of it and I will not be confused. And I will be consistent. Do you know something? That Christ changing me is making me more and more like Him. I'm a whole lot more faithful than I used to be. 
I'm not going to say things and, and not follow through. There may be sometimes where circumstances happen, but, but my intention is always to follow through with what I've spoken. I said this before, but years ago, I got, I got ridiculed by another pastor for being too faithful. You know what your problem is, Pastor Bob? You're too faithful. When Pastor Mark had resigned, it was the first time, not the second time, first time he resigned. I was kind of thrown into turmoil. I don't know what to do. Had another minister reach out to me. I'm not an AG pastor. And he says, hey, what are you going? I said, I don't know, I don't know what to do, how to handle this. Uh, he said, well, you got, you got resumes out, don't you? Ain't you got feelers out? I said, feelers? Am I an octopus? No, I didn't say that, but I wanted to. You got feelers out? He said, oh, yeah. He said, I got feelers out all the time. You never know when something better might pop up. I said, whoa, back up. That was very nice. I said, well, I'm not into better. I'm into obedience. And I said, I, I, I feel like I'm placed where God wants me at this season. And I said, I'm struggling with this. And it's, it, it may impact me inadvertently, my family. I said, I don't. I said, I've prayed about it. I'm called here at this time this right now. I said, no, I don't have any resumes out anywhere. I said, I never have. I said, I wasn't looking for this job when I got it. And I said, I'm not looking. I don't, I, that's just not how I'm wired. Why would I look somewhere else if God's called me here? And he said, you know what your problem is? You're just too faithful. Okay. I like to think it's a little bit of my father living through me. Just a little bit. I like to think that the nature and the God qualities that God's birthing in me and in you all is not because you're a good person. It's because the Father is living in you by His Spirit. And my friend, if you will allow Him to do that, and no matter what the pressures are, listen, there's going to be a lot of pressure, okay? It's going to be a lot of pressure in the days ahead to shift our moral clocks. It's coming. It's coming strong, okay? There's days ahead where people are going to want us to shift or we're going to be persecuted. Don't shift. You cannot change God. Send me to the gallows with a smile on my face, if must be, but I will not suggest anything other than the truth of the Word of God because He doesn't change. And my friend, if you're finding your life full of confusion and you're worrying about what this one has said or what that one has said and what's right and what's wrong, if you are in as much turmoil over the issues of today like the world is, you need to shut your television off, you need to open up your Bible, find out what God has said, make Him the center of your world, rotate your life around Him, and you will find peace. Because He never changes. He never changes. Never changes.